Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Uh, Holy Spirit series. We're on week three of Holy Spirit. So um, we're really doing this series to encourage you uh, to deepen your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, to deepen your trust of the way the Holy Spirit works, and to really uh, create a greater freedom of the way the Holy Spirit can work in all our lives. So that's what we're doing this series over the next... We've done three weeks. The third week, we're going to do up to eight weeks, right through to Easter, focusing in on the Holy Spirit. And this isn't just theory. The, the whole premise of this talks, these talks is to encourage you in your walk with the Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you, what you hear on a Sunday, try and reflect on, think about in the week, think about making space for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. If you're somebody who's not had a great deal of experience with the Holy Spirit, then maybe just sit in a quiet space and invite the Holy Spirit to come to you and to speak to you and to, and to be present with you. just want to quickly recap on what we've done so far. Um, I looked at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and we looked at these key points from that. We looked at the Holy Spirit... Is talked about in the Old Testament as the Spirit of God. We said the Holy Spirit isn't an it, but the Holy Spirit is a person. So the Holy Spirit isn't just some impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes and brings life. Brings life to us, brings life to the body, brings life um, wherever the Holy Spirit's activity is. And then Jake last week went through some key points. Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We saw that even though the Holy Spirit is mentioned differently, In the Old Testament writings to the New Testament writings, the Holy Spirit doesn't essentially change. It's just the way the Holy Spirit reveals himself and interacts with us that changes over time. We also saw that Jesus was the first person the Holy Spirit came on to and then remained with. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament we saw came on specific people at specific times for specific purposes and then lifted off again. And we see with Jesus the the, the the pouring out of the Spirit onto him and then remaining with him throughout his ministry. And then Jake looked at how Jesus, at the end of his life on earth with the disciples, promised to send the Holy Spirit to us. He said that he was limited by his physical presence. He couldn't be everywhere at once. It's good that I'm going away because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be with you wherever you are. It can be present wherever you are be present in our gatherings, be present with us individually. And he said the Holy Spirit would never leave us when the Holy Spirit comes to us. That's where we are uh, in our current journey through this series. I thought I'd use the stage today as a bit of of a timeline. So let's imagine for a second that over here is kind of the Old Testament part of where we've been. Okay, this is the Old Testament part We've looked at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, seen how he's come on people at certain times. And then we've moved kind of through, Jake moved kind of through last week to the New Testament section. And there's a, even though the Old Testament is full of writings, there is a gap between when the Old Testament writings finish and when the New Testament writings start. There's a 400-year gap between Malachi, this last book in your Old Testament, and the first books of the Gospel. There's a 400-year gap. And so we have to recognise the Bible isn't a complete historical timeline of the activity of the Spirit. These books are written at different times by different people. And there was kind of this 400-year gap after the Old Testament writings finished before we saw the activity of the Holy Spirit mentioned again 
in the Gospels. And we see this difference that the Spirit is poured out upon Jesus, the Spirit is poured out upon him, and remains with him as he goes around ministering and declaring the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of God has come, and we see him doing miracles in the power of the Spirit. We see him ministering in the power of the Spirit. And at his baptism, he goes out to John the Baptist and is baptised. The Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove and then remains on him for the entirety of his ministry. And he declares his mandate. We looked at this last week. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news and bring freedom and healing. And so Jesus begins to minister in the power of the Spirit, the Spirit resting upon him. He heals people, miraculous provision, deliverance. He's ministering in the power of the Spirit. We said last week, didn't we, that he, isn't, he wasn't ministering because he was God. He was fully human, but he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gave him the ability to demonstrate the kingdom in these miraculous ways. But throughout his ministry, Jesus speaks about his impending death his arrest and crucifixion. And on the night before he's crucified, Jesus tells his disciples it's good that he's going away because he will send someone else. He will send them the promised Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will never leave them. And Jesus is arrested, unfairly tried and crucified. So if you think about Old Testament, ministry of Jesus, and then here we are in the middle of the stage at the cross. The cross, Jesus arrested, unfairly tried and crucified and then remains in the ground for three days and the disciples mourn his passing but then the stories come of him being sighted he's risen again Jesus has risen and so we're now in this time of being in the post-cross period we're post-cross now Jesus has risen he eats food with his disciples to prove he's not a ghost and he says you need to wait in Jerusalem because if you wait then the Holy Spirit will come and be poured out upon you in power. He said, John baptised with water, but I'm going to baptise you in the Holy Spirit. You'll be drenched with the Holy Spirit in the same way. And I want to quickly watch what happens in those days, because there's a festival happening in Jerusalem called Pentecost, and we've grabbed a bit of Bible Project video just to explain <laughs> what was going on. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival. It's during the early summer, and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house, which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. That was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus' body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. What's this all about? Well, Peter gets up to explain that this is the fulfillment of Israel's hopes based on the scriptures. 
God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. But the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. So there's this festival in Jerusalem, the festival of Pentecost, and the the disciples are waiting there, waiting for this the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them, and suddenly a violent rushing wind happens, and these tongues of fire appear and rest upon them. And as those guys said on the video, it's symbolizing the presence of God coming to dwell upon them, and they're supernaturally equipped to go and proclaim the gospel. And so Jesus' willingness to go to the cross has ushered in a new era, a post-cross era when the Spirit will be poured out upon all people. It's fulfilling these words spoken by Joel, uh, we looked at briefly before. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so the spirit is now being poured out upon all people, beginning with the apostles, the disciples, who begin speaking to all those gathered people in Jerusalem in different dialects and different tongues, announcing the good news of Jesus, announcing the fact the kingdom is coming, that God is here and wants to reconcile them to himself. And we see from this post-cross period, the Holy Spirit is no longer restricted to certain people at certain times, but it's poured out on all those people who respond to the news of Jesus. And this Holy Spirit is going to rest upon them and enable them to carry that message far and wide beyond Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. And we'll look at that more in the weeks ahead. But this is where you and I enter the timeline. So let's think about it for a moment. Let's think about the story of God. We talked about this before in our Clean Me series, God's story culminating in the fullness of the kingdom and the return of Jesus. Let's add in the different elements we've looked at so far. Now, the return of Jesus is sometimes called the parousia. We'll come back to that in a moment. But the parousia, the second coming of Jesus. So let's put in the elements we talked about. The Old Testament, we've talked about first of all. The life of Jesus, the cross event, and now Pentecost. And at some point in the future, the return of Jesus. Well, you and I live here. We live here. We live between Pentecost and Perusia. We live between the outpouring of the Spirit and the second coming of Jesus. That's where you and I live in this timeline of the Holy Spirit. That's where we live. Pentecost and Perusia, living after the cross but before the second coming of Christ. And that's what I want to explore today. I want to explore that with you in this catchily titled section, Living Between Pentecost and Perusia. <laughs> I figure the more weird the words, the more likely you are to remember them, okay? So that's where you and I live, in this strange space between the outpouring of the Spirit and waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Pentecost was this festival of first fruits when 
the people in Jerusalem would bring their first fruits of their harvest to God as a way of thanking him for the, for the harvest and the coming harvest. And what we have at Pentecost is a first fruit outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon people, upon us. It's funny that God reversed the festival. Normally people were bringing first fruits to him, but that day God chose to bring the first fruits of the kingdom to the people, pouring out the Holy Spirit upon them. And when you and I choose to follow Jesus, we receive the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. We receive the first fruits of the coming kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul talks about this when he wrote to the church in Corinth. He said this, he said, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So Paul is telling us that when we choose to follow Jesus, there's a down payment of the kingdom made into our lives, a down payment of the Holy Spirit, a down payment of what is to come in the future. We become first fruits people. We get to kind of taste what the coming kingdom will be like when it arrives in its fullness. As we wait for the return of Jesus, we get a taste of what that kingdom will look like when Jesus returns. Keely and I are originally from Birmingham, and Birmingham is famous for its curries, okay? You don't have great curries down here, I'm sorry. Birmingham, we do have great curries, and we're famous for them. Um, And I had a friend of mine who used to talk about the kingdom this way. He said, when you go for a curry, you get your starters, you get your samosas, you get your pakora, you get your chicken tikka, you get your your papadoms, you get your dips, your chutneys. He said, all that is like a taste of the coming curry. (laughs) It's like a foretaste of the fullness of the coming curry. And when the curry arrives, you get to taste the fullness of the curry. And that's what it's a little bit like for you and I as spirit people. We get a little foretaste of the coming kingdom, of the fullness of what the kingdom will be when it fully arrives, when Jesus returns. We get that foretaste. It's like we have the starter of the down payment of the Holy Spirit. God is present with us, but he's not fully present with us. We've not yet experienced the fullness of God within our experience, within our lives. We live in this mid-space, post-cross, and prior to the perusia. We live in this gap. And that can sometimes be a difficult place to be because it feels a bit weird. It feels a bit odd. It feels a bit dissatisfying because we've tasted some of the fullness of God, but we're still waiting for the fullness to arrive. And that can be a strange place to live. It can be a difficult place to live. It can be a dissatisfying place to live because it feels like we're not fully comfortable where we are and we're hoping for the future fullness. We're looking forward to when God will fully come and we see the things around us that we know God should put right but we're still waiting for those things to be reconciled fully. So I want to talk about a couple of things that the Holy Spirit does to help us in this space between Pentecost and Perusia. One of the words used to describe the Holy Spirit is this word paraclete, paraclete. And that really is a word that at its heart means comforter. It means comforter. So one of the primary things the Holy Spirit does when he comes to us, he brings us 
comfort. He's someone who comes alongside and brings us comfort. The Holy Spirit was the inseparable companion of Jesus when he ministered on earth. Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit through all his years of ministry. And when you and I choose to follow Jesus, to trust in him, the Holy Spirit becomes our inseparable companion as well. He's the one who comes alongside us. And the word paraclete is a, is a very rich word. It's a very rich word. But I've said one of its primary meanings is that word comforter. In a passage that Paul writes, we find the word that paraclete is based upon mentioned five times. In his letter to the church in Corinth, he writes these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. So the word there is mentioned five times, the word that paraclete originates from. And within this passage, Paul gives us a real full understanding of how God's comfort works through the Holy Spirit. Firstly, we worship a God of all comfort. One of the key characteristics of God is that he's a God who comes and comforts us. And so God comes and comforts us in our afflictions. All the troubles and difficulties and the strife that we encounter in this life, the Holy Spirit is there to come alongside us and to comfort us in those difficulties and struggles. As we live in this in-between space, we encounter all sorts of tricky things and difficult things, and the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to bring his comfort. But then we see there's a cascading of comfort. It doesn't just stop with us. It goes on. It goes on to comfort those in affliction. So as we've been comforted, we're called to cascade that comfort on to those around us we see who are also struggling, who are also in affliction. And so as the Holy Spirit is a paraclete to us, we're then made paracletes to other people. And that's one of the real beauties of the gospel. The Holy Spirit comes as a paraclete to us and then enables us to become a paraclete to those around us. We become the one who come alongside. We become the one who comforts, encourages, supports as we see those in affliction around us. The Holy Spirit divinely empowers us from the comfort we've received to bring comfort to others. So we support, we help, we advocate for, we come alongside. And I've said this before and I'll say it again today, Christianity is never supposed to be a cul-de-sac. Christianity is never supposed to be a cul-de-sac. It's never supposed to stop with you. God hasn't made you like a dead end, okay? You're supposed to be a through road. You're supposed to be a through road, a through road through which the, the grace and the comfort and the love of God can flow through to other people. Christianity is never supposed to end with you. You're not supposed to be a cul-de-sac, but yet many Christians are. Many Christians are clinging to the love, the grace, the fruits of God for themselves, hanging on to them selfishly, not realising they've been given 
to pass through to other people. And the problem is, if you cling on to the things that God gives you, well, they just rot on the vine. The first fruits just rot on the vine if you don't release those things to other people. I've had lots of friends who've owned allotments, and they've produced far too much food. And they turn up at your door with a 1,001 gherkins or whatever they are, or cucumbers or tomatoes. And, it, and they, they've just got too much. They've got too much, and so they want to give it away, give it away, give it away. But imagine if they decided to try and hoard all their, the, the produce from their allotment. I'm going to keep all this for myself. It, they would just store it up and it would just rot on the vine. And so you and I are supposed to cascade the comfort that we receive to those around us. As the Holy Spirit is paraclete to us, we become paraclete to those around us. There's a beautifully simple prayer by St. Francis of Assisi that goes like this. Me not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. And so you see the heart of St. Francis there to desire to cascade the love and the grace and the comfort that he's received on to those around him. And so I want to encourage this morning to receive God's comfort. If you need comforting this morning, if you're struggling, let the Holy Spirit come to you and comfort you. Because you worship a God who's a God of comfort. So whatever it is you're going through, the Holy Spirit can come and he can bring his comfort to you. And then I encourage you to let that comfort then cascade through your life to the people around you. Because the Holy Spirit will multiply in you for those people around you. Don't think of yourself as a cul-de-sac. You're there to cascade the comfort of God, the paraclete essence of who the Holy Spirit has been formed in you so you can come alongside others. This is how the ministry of Jesus has been multiplied throughout history. You become the hands and feet and the lips of the Holy Spirit to the people around you. That desire that's within the Spirit to bring comfort is expressed through you to other people. So look for opportunities this week of when you can bring God's comfort to someone who you can see is struggling. So comfort is a key thing that the Holy Spirit brings to us as we live in this in-between era when things are difficult for us, when sometimes we don't fully understand. God can come and comfort us. Also, another key aspect of what the Holy Spirit can do is the Holy Spirit can bring hope. Hope is really important for our well-being. Hope is really important for your life. It's very difficult to live without a sense of hope. Hope is a thing that leans us forward into the future. And because we, we have this sense of the coming kingdom, we have this sense of the return of Jesus, we have a hope for a better future. The Holy Spirit can bring that hope into our lives. Paul prays in his letter to the church, he sends to Rome, he says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope wants to instill his hope into you by the power of the Spirit. It's really difficult to live without hope, without a sense of hope taking you forward into the future. When we talk about faith, hope and love, 
these sort of the trilogy sort of, of, of the kind of the theological um, key aspects. Often hope gets a bit of a bad press. You know, love is seen as the, the main thing. Faith is seen as a really important thing. But hope, it isn't so much championed, is it? But really, hope is really, really important if you're going to move forward in God, if you're going to have a sense of a future and a sense of purpose and a sense of goal. One of the ancient church fathers, he, he wrote this. He said, faith sees only what is and hope sees what is to be. Love loves only what is and hope loves what is to be. And so in our spiritual walk, in living in this in-between time, we, we get discouraged, we get disheartened, we get disillusioned, we encounter trouble, we have affliction, we're tempted away God's, from God's best for us. All these things happen as we live in this in-between space. But the Holy Spirit is there to renew your hope. The Holy Spirit is there to give you hope for the future. The Holy Spirit is there to empower you to walk into the promised kingdom. And so it's, it's really important that we ask the Holy Spirit to bring his hope to us, to give us that perspective of what God's kingdom looks like and what's ahead of us. Jesus said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And it's really important that we come to God and say, God, I need the activity of your Spirit in my life. I need that, the paraclete, I need the comfort, I need the hope, I need the sense of your Holy Spirit empowering me to do life. Because this space is difficult to live in. We see all the things that are wrong with the world. And yet we know that we love and worship a God who is able to come and put all things right. And so it says in the scripture that we groan, we, we wait in expectation for God's return, for Jesus to come back and make it all right, to wipe away every tear. We live in this in-between space. In a sense, the Holy Spirit ruins you. He ruins you because you can't go back to ignorance and just pretend nothing ever happened. As soon as you encounter Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you have this hunger and hope for the future. And so you need the Holy Spirit to help you to live in this in-between space. Because it feels like this planet is no longer home. It feels like there's a, a place that you're being called forward into. And so we're, we're spirit people, whether we realise it or not. And so we need to be much more aware of inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives, to partnering with the Holy Spirit, to encouraging his presence. Because you, it's very difficult to do this journey alone. We're going to just stand there and wait on the Spirit. So if you're able, why don't you stand with me? We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.